0: If you pair yourself up with a clinician in town that knows the FMS, that uses the FMS, and they know you use the FMS, let's say they have a patient that comes in. Patient comes in with pain. Uh, let's say it's a let's say it's a low back pain. They can refer out, and this is great because they can say, Hey, I know this trainer in town. I know they use the FMS. Hey, trainer in town, this person came with low back pain balls in your court now, you know what to do. What a fantastic relationship you could build with somebody based on that. I just love it. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fitness Lying Down podcast, where I am your host and owner-extraordinaire today flying solo, um, I just am still riding high on the DVRT restoration course that we just completed over the weekend, an amazing event, a uh, great time, a good group of people, very, very hungry, that's what I love, is when they're hungry for knowledge, and you could see the wheels turning as they're applying what they're learning right then and there, and they're thinking about how to make that work come Monday morning, whether it's working with themselves or if they are working with uh, individuals, training individuals, or just the aha moments. I'm always, that's what kind of keeps me going are those aha moments that I see in these people's eyes. So that restoration course, once again, um, going over a lot of those fundamental foundational movements to, well, let's call it restore your movement patterns. And I don't know, you know, I've, I've done a lot of level one and level two certifications I've done a a good handful of workshops. And there's just something about this course, this is my first time, so maybe that also has something to play into it. But the fact that there's just so much neurological things going on, um, because pretty much all of, not all of, but a lot of the movements that we're discussing and um, unpacking have a lot of that cross patterning and what that does to your brain. You know, For us, I mean, done in the right amount of dosage, It's beautiful. But in a course like this, we do a lot of it. (laughs) And I think personally for myself, I was actually more exhausted from an hour of, or an hour, a day of this, eight hours of this. I think I was almost as equally as exhausted as I was two days of level one, level two certification. And I could see in the people's eyes too. I mean, we're supposed to do eight hours. And of all the DVRT courses that I've uh, instructed, except for the workshops but the courses that I've instructed I don't think I've ever gone up to the point of maxing out the time and nobody's been angry about this it's it's to the fact that I could continue instructing yes but you can just see in the audience's eyes and the in the attendees that are uh, present that wow I am I'm good for today like any other thing that I keep throwing at them is just going to bounce off their heads it's not going to be soaked in because they're just they're just done, and that's okay. So again, riding high on this, um, I did. I think today might be one of the more tired days I've had. I was a little tired Monday, Tuesday, but I think now is that I don't know if crash from the high, but I, I definitely feel it. So I'm excited to get a good night's rest. Now I don't want everybody out there to feel sorry for me. Okay, so if you're doing that right now, stop. But if you do want to send, like, flowers or chocolates or anything like that, I will accept that. I'll accept your sympathy there. I appreciate it. Um, (laughs) But I've got a couple things that are on my mind when it comes to um, today's podcast. Again, I'm just so grateful for the guests that come in. I mean, last week we had Greg out of the UK. I mean, how cool is that? I've got Cam Ward um, on deck sometime here, but... That whole time change, um, I was going to say time travel, I made a few references to Back to the Future today, so I think that's on my head, you know, the old DeLorean, but that that time change, uh, it can be a really finicky thing when we have to uh, get on at the same time at a time that's acceptable for both parties, so still working on the details on that, it'd be great to have them along. But yeah, it's, it's just grateful and blessed for the the guests that I've been able to have and The things that I've learned, um, learned from talking to people about their pasts, um, what gets them going, what gets them motivated. So I'm just very, very excited about the future here um, because I think this might be episode 49, which is pretty exciting because then next week would be episode 50 in a row. And then in two more weeks, I've been doing this for a complete calendar year, not missing a week. Uh, For me, that's impressive. And I'm not saying for me that's impressive because I'm not... I'm not accountable enough, and I'm not responsible enough to do this, but I will admit, making these podcasts has been a challenge. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, I got to come up with something, I got to get the content, I got to get the person lined up, Um, and I probably could do this better if I wasn't also um, being a husband and father and also owning and running a gym with staff. I could probably do this a little bit better, but I'm going to continue on. I think after uh, week 52... I'm going to do another year. I'm going to sign up for another year weekly, and we're going to, you know, reintroduce some uh, former guests, and I'm pretty sure I can get on some new guests. Uh, so yeah, if, if anybody out there does have any, any thoughts, anything like that, anybody they want to hear on the podcast or any topics that might be burning in their hearts about, about something in the fitness industry, uh, give me a shout out. Like, let me know, because I would definitely like to um, help you out with that. Because I want to know, what, what is my audience seeking? You know, there hasn't been necessarily a, a line of this podcast is only for X audience or we're only going to be talking about this topic. So I, it's, it's pretty eclectic. It's all over the board. And I'm just grateful for all our, um, our loyal audience listeners out there. So again, anybody that you could think of that you'd like to hear on the podcast, it's within reason. Remember, I'm not a very popular person so i can't have anybody famous um, because yes they wouldn't know me and then i'm not going to say that no topic is untalkable about uh un- unapproachable but yeah let me know that'd be fun so the first thing i want to talk about today the fms now the fms for anybody that might not know stands for well It used to stand for functional movement screen but as the fms has grown in popularity It is now a system, so it's the Functional Movement System. And in the Functional Movement System, the FMS, there's a kit. And I will admit, I don't think that they're out there trying to sell all these kits. Like I I actually had Coach Shelley here made me one day um, because I requested it. But back in the day prior to brick-and-mortar fitness lying down, I wasn't able to afford a kit. And so she's very crafty, and she made me a kit and it's still, uh, it's still in the attic of my garage. I think it's, uh, it's hilarious when I see it because she did a wonderful job. I mean, it's very good. However, you know, it's just something about having... I, I'm not a name brand person per se, but when it comes to these kind of things, you know, something that says the FMS, you feel better about that. So the, the FMS, it's a series of seven movements, and it's a screen, so it's not an assessment. We're not, we're not trying to diagnose anybody or anything. But in that screen... You got these seven movement patterns and it's a valued, it's a valued screen. So each movement either has a zero, a one, a two, or a three tied to it. Now zero means that it was dysfunctional. Um, it just didn't happen. A one means that, or no, I'm sorry, zero means pain. That's what zero is. Zero is pain. So if there's pain in any part of that, it's a zero. One is dysfunctional. So not up to par. Two is acceptable, and then three would be ideal. But the funny thing is, when it comes to the screen, is they're not looking for threes across the board. So in our, in our competitiveness way, competitive way, we're always thinking, oh, the, the bigger the number, the better. The higher my score is, the better chance I have to win. And the FMS is saying, no, 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 we're just looking for twos across the board. And it's fun because when you listen to the the people in charge, responsible for the FMS, namely uh, Gray Cook and Lee Burton, they they've come up with a lot of um, research on this, and the research says so. If you take seven, and you take seven times two, the ideal score is fourteen. Now there are chances for um, there's chances for asymmetries. So let's say you're doing a shoulder mobility screen. If anybody has any questions what this all looks like, feel free to go to the FMS website. I'm sure they'll have pictures or anything like that. But in that shoulder mobility screen, you could have a two on one side, but maybe a one on the other side. And that would actually be considered dysfunctional because there's that one. You could even have a three on one side, which is the the best score you can get. And then you could have a two on the other side. That would still be... a a one it would be a two three asymmetry and so we don't want that we want to make sure that we have the symmetrical ways of being and the reason for that is because the research is showing that when you have these asymmetries now let's also be clear your body when you cut your body from right to left front to back there are going to be asymmetries they're just natural that's fine but what the fms is pointing out is these kind of gross asymmetries um that there's a big gap between these asymmetries. So we want to kind of narrow that gap because as we find out, the more asymmetrical your body is, the more chance there is for injury. And this makes perfect sense because if you're relying on one side the whole time and you're very dominant on that side, which we typically can be, anytime that you're asked to do a maneuver that you might not be comfortable with, there could be an issue there. There could be a compensation that you're hiding that finally gets exposed and boom, there's an injury. So the whole goal of the FMS is, number one, the big goal is to find out, is there pain in any movement? And if there's no pain in the movement, that's great. If there's And I'm talking FMS language here. If there's pain in any of that movement, then they ask that you refer the client to a clinician, whether that be a chiropractor or a physical therapist. And with that... Ooh, the coffee's so good today. Um, with that is... And this is the cool thing I I think the FMS is really good at, is creating a universal language between um, clinicians and fitness professionals. So all of a sudden, if you have a clinician that knows the FMS and is going through the FMS or believes in the FMS, is using it, then you can say, hey, I'm going to send you Jilly Bo, Jilly Bo Job, Jilly Job Bo, Jilly Bob, Jill Bob jill bob <laughs> i'm gonna send you jill bob jill bob's got an asymmetry in their shoulders a three two um the little there's a three two asymmetry but there is also pain so that's a zero and the clinicians gonna like, got it and they're gonna treat that they're gonna come back and say hey all right we got that we got that pain taken care of they still have that asymmetry it's up to you now to do your job and so it's a great way to bridge that gap because i'm gonna tell you as a fitness professional. Sometimes the hardest people to talk to are clinicians. I think they look down on us, and I don't blame them. You know, if you just look up Fitness Anything on Instagram or social media, you're going to find out probably why those physical therapists, chiropractors, occupational therapists, anybody in the healthcare profession probably doesn't see eye to eye with us. You know, we're all wearing spandex and uh, skippy outfits, and we're going for that body pump where people in healthcare just want people to feel better. So this is just a great way. And then likewise, if you pair yourself up with a clinician in town that knows the FMS, that uses the FMS, and they know you use the FMS, let's say they have a patient that comes in, patient comes in with pain, uh, let's, say it's a, let's say it's a low back pain, and they have a hip mobility issue. Uh, whether it's uh, asymmetry, so low back pain, there's also these other... Um, uh, screens I guess you could say or some of these little tests that kind of weed out a little bit more to where pain could be located so they get a low back pain they have a hip mobility issue they get the pain taken care of the hip mobility issue is still present they can refer out and this is great because they could say hey I know this trainer in town I know they'd use the FMS hey trainer in town this person came with low back pain um, they tested positive on the extension test They have a one two asymmetry or maybe a one one like they're just no hip mobility balls in your court now you know what to do what a fantastic relationship you could build with somebody based on that i just love it i think it's great i think it's so great that we used to use it (laughs) but we don't use it anymore why is that that is crazy i'm going to tell you a couple reasons why we don't do it anymore number one it's not that time-consuming, but it's always those, uh, you know, it got to the point where we were using it initially when people came in, and I'm not saying that we were being dishonest with it. Now, this sounds like totally a confession, and I can hear everybody leaning in a little bit more. Oh, boy, we got some dirt on FLD. It was more It was more the, the wholesale tactic, right, is that when you screen somebody, and everybody pretty much expects that. You know, you go to the gym, you give them your... Uh, your health history, you talk about uh, your history of um, <laughs> health. Oh, my goodness. Words are so hard. And then usually there's like a physical, um, a physical thing. You know, They have a flexibility test or uh, some other various things I've seen in the past. But now you talk about this movement screen, and this is something brand new to people. So it's like, wow. And they feel like it's pretty professional, which it is. I mean, I'm not going to poo-poo it. it. It is done. It's, it's supposed to be done and done well. But what if you don't do anything with the numbers, right? So what if you screen somebody and you never rescreen them again? What if whatever the screen shows, you don't use for any programming? And that's what I ended up finding thanks to DVRT. Thank you, DVRT. <laughs> so what I mean by, like, and this is, this is where the FMS started losing a little value for me. Because with DVRT and the system that they have, and i think that's very complementary i think i think both these things can be used very well but i started finding out that people were just improving mobility and things and no matter what their screen showed i knew where i needed to start them in the dvrt system and then lo and behold how bizarre people's mobility improved people's stability improved people's strength increased so it was just like you know no matter what the fms shows me i'm not going to use the numbers like somebody could have a shoulder mobility issue or hip mobility issue they're going to start right at square one where I have them based on the DVRT system, and they're going to build up from there. And if there is any issues where the shoulder is still a problem, well, then I still know what to do there. I'm not going to just blindly push through. I know where in the DVRT system, which I feel is more complete and bulletproof, and it has the answers. So that's one reason why I got away from it. I think the other reason is because, yes, people, you screen somebody in the beginning, they know, you know, because you you talk a little bit about their score, you know, and there's no there's no you failed this test, right? This is not that kind of thing. But they get to the point where, well, I want to screen again, I want to see if I've improved. And f- rightly so, I think that they deserve that. But I'm gonna tell you, when you have a gym that has like over 150 people, and you want to start rescreening people, that takes a lot of resource, time. You know, it's, when are you going to schedule 150 people to come in? We tried to in the beginning. We tried to do it like piggybacking with sessions, things like that. But And that was all fine and dandy when we weren't as busy as we are now. So it was just like retesting people, rescreening people was a little cumbersome. And as I mentioned, it just it turned out that no matter what we did, people improved anyway. So even if we didn't have a numerical value on it, there was still a, an acknowledgment, a recognition that, yes my shoulder pain is not there anymore. My hip pain is not there anymore. And I think that's the great little conversation too to have about the FMS clinicians and fitness is boy, if we can have the fitness industry on point when it comes to not treating, but training, training clients to stay out of that pain. Because here's what happens. For anybody out there that may not know, let's say you're doing an activity and you get injured. Okay, that shoot, that sucks. You go to a clinician Because, well, pain's pain's no good. So you want to get out of pain. So they get you out of pain with their little uh, practices and their exercises they have and their experience and knowledge. And that's great moving forward. I read a stat one time, and I think this holds true that 99% of skeletal muscular injuries is due to a previous injury. So if you've injured your shoulder, if you injured your back, if you injured your knee, the chances of you re-injuring that are pretty high, actually, unless you change something. Because the whole thing is that you go in and however which way you injured that body part could have been because of compensations, because of asymmetries in the body, imbalances, not being stable enough in the core. And you go and they get you out of pain because that's what they do. And I don't want to like talk down about this but a lot of these practices, well, they're businesses as well, and they have a lot of patients that they have to go through. So there's that, that's that turnover. You know, they just, as long as they get you out of pain, boom, here's your, here's your sheet with your exercises to keep doing for the rest of your life. And we know how that sheet goes, and we know the commitment to people. Very rare is that somebody that continues to do their PT exercises. So what do they do? They go, they're out of pain, so that's great. Um, just think about anybody out there that's had a headache and the headache's gone and you feel like a brand new person or if you've been ill um, and very ill and then all of a sudden you regain your health, you're just, it's a brand new world. So anybody that's been in pain and the pain's taken away, well, this is oh, uh, a blank canvas almost. Like I, I can get back to my daily living. However, they fall upon those compensations, those old tricks again. And then they end up re-injuring that same body part. And then there's just this cycle it's a vicious cycle. If they go into the clinician, clinician gets them a of pain, they go back, they re-injure, boom, boom, boom. What if there's a way, an opportunity to change something? What if you, because let's be honest too, I mean, when it comes to PT, uh, PT is not, it shouldn't be a forever thing. It's not like a gym membership should be a forever thing. You should be seeing your personal trainer or whatever, whoever's working with you in the fitness industry you should be seeing that person a whole lot more than you see your PT or chiropractor. So that stuff is, you know, it's, it's on a needs basis. But it shouldn't be for everything. It should not be a membership. But what if your fitness membership could actually keep you out of there? What if your fitness membership wasn't just about the body pump or losing body fat? And, you know, both those goals can be, you know, acceptable. But what if, like, are you going to walk into the gym... With a shoulder issue, but want to lose a whole bunch of weight, yes, yes to both could happen at the same time. However, I always liked what they'll say too is let's not put the cart before the horse. So, why would we sacrifice losing a whole bunch of weight if you have a shoulder, hip, knee, back issue, any of those? Let's first address that issue. Let's first get you moving better, feeling better, and then we can start. Going after those, those long-term goals that you might be having Because I, I've seen people really sacrifice their bodies to get these goals They've put them, their bodies through unhealthy eating habits They've put their bodies through unsustainable training regimes Just to lose whatever, how many pounds But to end up on the other side Even though they might be thinner, quote-unquote thinner They actually feel worse So why, why should that be a goal? So let's, let's take care of those hot topic, those big, uh, what do they call it, the high-priced ticket items or whatever, big-ticket items. <laughs> you could tell how much I go to thrift sales and all these other shops. So what if that fitness professional had the capability, had the knowledge to help you stay out of PT for a while, longer than you've ever had? What if that, um, what if that fitness professional was able to keep you from going to the chiropractor as often as you once did? Again, I just want to reiterate, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go see a PT, and I'm not saying you shouldn't go see your chiropractor, but the amount of times that people go because of pain, now that's where we want to minimize that. We want to keep you out of pain so you don't feel compelled to do this. Now, when we're talking about pain and injury, well, FMS, it was kind of funny because they'll also say that sometimes the most injured people are the people that move the best, and you kind of have that what moment like what? what what that doesn't make sense like if you if you move really well why are you injured why why statistically are you more injured so they're talking about like tactical um, occupations firefighting military police work etc well the pro- you know one of the problems is let's just think about firefighters as a as the image here is that when there's a burning building and you got somebody that's in shape versus somebody that's not in shape you're probably going to send that in-shape person up the ladder to go save some lives. You're going to send that person that's physically fit into the burning building to take care of things. While the other person who's not so much in shape might be the one at the truck working on the valves to get the water through the hose. That person is probably not going to get injured. The person that's going in in a dangerous situation, that person is going to have the higher risk of being injured because of the environment, right? It's, it's, It happens Think about athletes Your best athlete is probably one of your best movers as well And their risk of getting injured Is probably going to be a lot higher than the person riding the bench Because of their uh, play time So injuries do happen And they happen in real life too You know, I I think one of the mistakes I made early on in my career Was believing that whoever I work with Will not be injured, ever And so when people would get injured I would I would be heartbroken about it. It would it would actually affect me. Pers- uh, like personally, yes, emotionally, because I was I was thinking I could keep them away from being injured. Now here's the deal. As a fitness professional, your responsibility is not to allow your clients to get injured on your training floor. That right there is your responsibility for injury. Outside of the training floor, you really have no you have no say. You have no control. So if you have a client, and we this happens, you have a client that goes out and they're cleaning out their garage. They're doing something and they twist wrong. They do something that just wasn't appropriate for their movement patterns and they tweak a back. They injure their shoulder. They hurt their knee. Well, and I, I don't want to be talking like, you know, we had the podcast not too long ago. Well, Maybe it was a long time ago about the... Uh, ounce of prevention is more than the pound of uh, cure so whenever we have clients that this happens the first thing i think about just internally for me is how much worse could this have been how much that person fell and broke their arm how much worse could that break have been if they weren't strong so life happens we get injured but we can still continue to train While injured. That's the beautiful thing about what we offer here at Fitness Lying Down through Wait For It, the DVRT system. Is that we can we can make the I don't want to call it modifications, even though it is modifying things. We can go on that scale of regressions and progressions and we could dial it down. We could still honor movement patterns without aggravating, without exasperating an injury. And it's it's amazing how we can how the clients i mean they're amazed. i'm always amazed too even though i know what's about to happen i'm still amazed that they leave and they're like holy cow they come in with a low back injury from the weekend or anything like this and they're like i just i feel a lot better and now they might leave and of course they go back to some of their same routine so things tighten up again that that protective mechanism of tightening up and maybe they still are you know so after a day or so of not training they're still feeling a bit, but they're coming in. And every time they come back in after like that, let's just call it that low back injury. Let's use that as an example. We here at Fitness Line Down continue chipping away. We chip away to make it better and better and better. So finally, there's a time that they come like, oh yeah, wow, that feels, I I, I forgot that I even had a back injury. So yes, the injuries do happen. And I'm going to share a story about me personally. (gasps) Corey had an injury. Um, you know, I, everybody out there should probably know by now that I've had a low back, I've had a low back uh, history. You know, thrice have I quote unquote, thrown out my back thrice. What a fun word. You know, to the point where I first time I remember I just bedridden myself on my own on my own power because I was scared. I had no idea what I just did. When I started understanding more, the second time I did it, I, I don't want to say I pushed through, but I didn't rest. I still moved around. I made it happen. And then the third time, oh my goodness, that was the third time was the worst. I don't know if it was just because it was the most recent. Um, oh boy, it, it really rocked me, but I didn't stop moving. So my recovery rate on the, on the last two injuries was a lot quicker than my first one because resting was not the answer. Moving was the answer. Moving smartly. Well, a couple weeks ago... My oldest daughter, who is in high school, who is in marching band, and she plays the sousaphone. So if anybody doesn't know what the sousaphone is, it is the marching tuba. So it's that wraparound tuba with the horn, and you know, it comes out, and yeah, you just like, fit yourself in there, and it wraps around your body. It's very cool. My, my daughter happens to be a second-generation tuba player, I'm very proud to say. And for anybody out there wondering how my tuba playing skills was, oh, boy, I was all-conference tuba player. That was an amazing experience. I I could go on for about band. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a band geek. I, I have to admit, it. I loved playing in the band. So anyway, so we go to this event, and they're, they're marching at night at this uh, fun torchlight parade here in La Crosse. And I was uh, chaperoning or whatever you want to do. Um, I was walking with the band, making sure everybody was, you know, The crowd was behaved, the band was behaved, and any band needs were being met. Well, we took a school bus over. And I just remember on the way back, I was sitting with my daughter. And because those seats are just not very, for a a grown man, those seats are not the best. So I had to kind of sit angled and twisted a little bit in my spine. And for anybody that hasn't ridden on a school bus in a long time, the shocks are horrible (laughs) it's like every little bump in the road you feel so just the up and down thing and that was on a thursday night and i remember friday morning i got to the gym and you know getting ready for my 7 a.m session and my back was it was tweaky which kind of it it scared me a little bit coming from a you know it's been a long time it's been a very long time since my back has been tweaked so it's part of me is like, oh man, am I getting, is this age? You know, I can totally appreciate why people think age is a thing because it's like, oh my, like I haven't felt this feeling in a long time. Is it because I'm getting older? Is it, has DVRT let me down? Am I, am I, uh, you know, just, there's a lot of fear, but I just, I stuck through the morning session doing what I knew how to do right. So I didn't avoid, I did not avoid doing movements, But I made sure that I was being a lot more intentional with those movements. And that helped me out a lot. But it still, like, would be tweaky. And I decided um, for my Friday session that I was going to go all out restorative. I even got to the point, I remember Shelly was on the floor, and she saw what I was doing. And she knew exactly, because I was talking to her about how I was feeling. And I just remember her looking at me like, whoa, that is completely restoration. And it was so amazing because after that session was done, there was like relief. My back didn't get tweaky. The next morning I woke up and it was like a brand new back. It just felt great. So being able to have the right solutions. So it's, it's fun to be able to say, hey, this happened to me personally. And I was able to still overcome it, not through gritting through it, not through resting through it, but being able to properly dose, properly prescribe the right dosage of exercise, volume, and intensity to make sure that I can improve that core stability. Because there's just, I'm pretty convinced that it was the bus ride, that there was just that jarring, that for some reason, and maybe going to bed that night, I didn't get as much sleep. So we know that the environment can really uh, play through on this. So instead of like, could you imagine having that tweaky back, lack of sleep, and deciding to have an all-out beast mode workout, like, this is why I'm so happy that we have these kind of solutions, that you have to just kind of maybe eat a little bit of the humble pie. Now, mainly my Friday sessions are not beast mode. If anything, my Friday sessions are very restorative because it's usually a long week. And I just need a session at the end of the week to tell my body, hey, good job. Let's, let's help you out. But this one was particularly a little bit more restorative than the others um, usually are. And so this is what we offer the clients is that ability to honor your body, to tell your body good job. You know, even, even if your body, I'm not going to say failed, because your body doesn't fail in that way. But even your body just kind of let you down, I don't know. Even if your body allowed you to get injured doing an activity, that you could still honor your body's ability. And once again, the, the ounce of uh, prevention being worth more than the pound of cure Without being stronger, like, if I was not doing what I do in the gym with DVRT, I'm pretty sure that my back would have been wrecked based on that bus ride. Now, wrecked, not medically wrecked, but I'm sure that that would have had some more lasting effects. And that would have been problematic because that would have disrupted my my work. That would have disrupted my personal life because being in pain is no fun, as anybody in pain knows. So there you go. I mean, like, thinking about that, the whole FMS experience, again, very valuable. And, you know, the one thing I will, I got to return back to that here quick because there is something funny about the FMS. Is I think the FMS is better suited for, like, barbell type of gyms. Gyms where maybe you're looking for more PRs, personal records. Maybe you're looking to, for those bodybuilding things. And I use this as an example because, again, what I think about is great about the FMS is that if you have a a dysfunction, so let's say you have a shoulder mobility dysfunction, whether it's you have ones across the board, whether you have zeros, or you have an asymmetry, they'll talk about not loading pressing movements. So in the big big realm here is think about the, the barbell bench press because the deal is that if you're doing something like that, it's only going to add on to your compensations. So I was, in, in the time frame of being fired from my previous job and waiting to start up Fitness Lying Down as a brick and mortar, I was trying to solicit myself as trainers in gym. So sometimes what you could do um, is that you could go to a gym and you could, a gym that has no personal trainers, like a 24-hour gym or something like this, you know, un, unsupervised gym to some degree. And you could offer your services, like you can promote yourself in the gym, the clients could hire you, or you know, the members could hire you, and then usually you just give the gym a little bit of a kickback of what you make. So I went to a couple gyms, and I wanted to promote the FMS, because I knew this was something that a lot of people weren't doing. And it was, it was pretty humbling to stand there with my little kit um, and try to, try to make eye contact with people. And you know, and then they finally like once you make eye contact. Oh man, I just remember the cheesiness of it. But then you try to explain it, you know, trying to sound smart and intelligent so that somebody could hire you to be your their personal trainer. And I do remember one time I saw while I was at that gym trying to promote the FMS and my my services. I saw a couple guys at the bench press, and these guys might have been a little bit older than me, Um, and they were bigger dudes. And I, I just asked them, you know, if I could quick screen their shoulders. And, you know, they, they actually agreed. They first didn't seem too keen on it, which I don't blame them. But, you know, they agreed. And their shoulder mobility was horrific. I mean, it was a train wreck on top of a train wreck. And they said, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, based on the findings here, blah, 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 you know, trying to sound all scientific, you shouldn't be doing the bench press. Oof. The look I got, and they just like shook their head and they walked away. And guess where they went back to? You guessed it, the bench press. And so I think the FMS now for anybody that you know, but I I I can guarantee you these guys probably if not right now, down the road are going to have shoulder issues, because I do believe in the FMS that way. The shoulder um, dysfunctions, you know, you get shoulder mobility, and then you continue trying to load on that, you're just adding to the dysfunctions. So better for somebody. To regain that. My own personal story is that actually when I first did an FMS, my scores were beautiful, but I did have a shoulder dysfunction. I had a 3-2 asymmetry. I remember that. So I totally took FMS at its word, and I said, okay. And at that time, this was like oh, oh, 10 years ago, maybe plus, the barbell overhead press was like my jam. I was Even though I have like long arms and it's not the strongest lift, I was really feeling strong doing it. And then when I discovered I had that 3-2 asymmetry, you know, I kind of, all right, fine. I'm going to do something about this. And so I started doing some of what FMS was um, recommending. So I took myself off the uh, loading pressing, and I started doing more, if you will, quote-unquote, corrective exercises. And it took me 10 months. I do remember that. It took me 10 months. And I went to go do my screen, and all of a sudden, boom, I had a 3-3. And I remember I was talking to my staff member at the time at the place I was working at. I said, what would be better after having a 3-2 asymmetry, me having a 3-3 or me having a 2-2? And I I think I stumped her a little bit, and she thought maybe the 3-3. I said, it doesn't matter. If I have a 2-2, I'm I'm, I'm ready to go. But because, you know, I worked really hard at it, I don't know. I had a 3-3. And the thing was, is that after I did that, my shoulders felt a whole lot better than they did before and they weren't in pain before but i felt like i had this greater mobility and not just on that 10th month but as i was working towards this my body was feeling better i was starting to gain a little bit more control through the core and i was more intentional about things and i just remember that after i got done you know i'm cleared now 10 10 uh, or 10 months i have a 3-3 symmetry i'm ready to go i go to the barbell and I put on the exact same weight that I used at the last time before the screen. And I was impressed with how much easier that weight felt. My body felt more engaged and it was like, wow. So for those people that were bench pressing and continue to bench press, well, it's on them. And the one reason why we don't have to use the FMS here is because our system with DVRT is totally corrective in nature but it's so much more than just being corrective because it's such a core driven movement based science that we don't have to be putting numbers on it as much. We can get in, we can get our job done and people leave feeling better. Boom, there you go. FMS, DVRT, really good compliments of each other but if you really understand and are utilizing the DVRT, I don't think you're gonna need the FMS as much but it's still good knowledge to have because there's a lot of good caveats that come through Um, They've got really smart people and I'm always on the side of like, I'm not that smart, but I want to follow the really smart people. That's where I'm at. Friends, appreciate you tuning in, listening to me solo. I'm going to try to get a guest on next week for the 50th episode. I think we need to get a guest on. Um, I don't know who yet. I've got in my mind a few people that I would like to bring on, Uh, but gotta wait till next week. So enjoy this episode. Uh, Until the next time that we speak, Godspeed.